And we're back. I'm Conrad, he's Drew, and this is Stranger by the Dozen. So we've just completed our adventure through the reality of the Squadron Supreme. The big benefit was that we got a new team member, Overmind, who is a gestalt psychic entity. Um, he's got a weird voice that looks really kind of uh, wavery with like a not with with a uh, lumpy sp uh, word bubble. Overmind takes the form of a giant dude with no sleeves, a big beard, and a and a whole bunch of silver. Um, and you know. He's a cool dude, I suppose. We haven't actually seen him fight on his own, but I'm I'm willing to give him a shot. <laughs> no, he seems he seems pretty cool. Yeah. So we jump to Defenders number one sixteen from February nineteen eighty three. Two by two. J. M. De scripter, Don Perlin penciler, uh, diverse hands, which means a bunch of people um, doing the inking. Uh, Janice Chiang, letterer, George Russo's colorist, Al Milgram, editor, and Jim Shooter, editor-in-chief. Uh, apparently one of the, uh, what, one of, if not all of the inks, of the anchors in this issue are actually Mike McNola, who I think most people would know as the creator of Hellboy, which is pretty cool. Wait, I know that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Getting, getting his early start, inking some, uh, some make-out. By inking the makeout episode of the of the Defenders, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Doctor Strange is brooding in the Sanctum Sanctorum. This this is taking place roughly around the time the, the same time as the Doctors as the solo Doctor Strange issues we saw last ep last episode of the podcast, where Clea leaves Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange is all bummed out about it, um, but it's after the point where where finally Strange decided to get over being all depressed. So he's just sort of like, ah, oh, you know, it hurts a little less every day, but I'm still, but it's okay, you know? He's still, like, bummed about relationships, and because of it, um, Overmind is like, hey, let's, um, let's, uh, like, you know, I'm Overmind, I'm six people in one body, I also know what it's like to have loved and lost. Let's take a look. Let's take a look in your magic brazier thing and check in and all the couple and all the couples and potential couples on the defenders and whether or not they're smooching. First up, <laughs> um, Vision and Scarlet Witch, who were just sort of guest star, you know, guest star cameos in the Squadron Supreme situation, uh, make their leave from the team. And yes, they totally make out before they do. <laughs> This is an important uh, seed -ish, um, situation, though, because while we won't be covering it on, on the podcast that extensively, because Doctor Strange only makes sort of a very small appearance in it, uh, Doctor Strange will end up being Vision and Scarlet Witch's obstetrician, or OBGYN, when she gets pregnant with his robot babies. Nice. Like, I can't, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a problem later on, but for now, whatever. Um... At the same time, uh, Beast sort of heads out onto the town with his girlfriend Vera, or Vera. They haven't had a ton of alone time since he managed to bring her back from the dead, by, or since he managed to convince Son, uh, Son of Satan to bring her back from the dead, after, they, after he had an adventure with Doctor Strange and Reed Richards inside a uh, reincarnation crystal. It's a, it's a weird time. <laughs> so, they're out for, uh, yeah, so they're out for a night in the town... And uh, 
Valkyrie and Namor decide to, like, go out on a date. Like, Valkyrie summons um, Aragorn, and they so- and they uh, fly off to the beach or something. <laughs> At the same time, Hellcat arrives back from her trip to see her dad, and is like, Hey, uh, Damon Hellstrom, let's go hang out a little bit. Why not? Sure. Yeah, so, now everybody's on dates, buddy. Oh, okay. Like... Beast and Vera are out, and Beast gets mobbed by uh, famous fans. You know, he's an Avenger, he's fairly famous. But Vera gets, like, jealous and sad, and he's like, Hey, man, like, don't be don't be freaked out just because you're, like, a nerd with glasses. Like, I know what that's like. I'm like the Beast, I'm blue, I've been a mutant, it's cool. And they have, like, hairy Beast makeouts. Uh, Valkyrie and Namor sort of fly on Aragorn the Pegasus out to the beach. Um, they swim around and have underwater makeouts, but then Namor is like, no! And he's gotta be, he says he can't, uh, uh, be in a relationship because he's gotta stay true to his, uh, dead girlfriend Dorma, even if it means invading the surface world because... A spaceman has taken the form of Lady Dorma and demands that he does so. Which Man, seen, that was that was really weird. Yeah, which we've seen in previous uh, Namor episodes. It's still there. <laughs> um, and so Valkyrie's like, "Oh, now I'm bummed that the guy I made out with, like, then I, I kissed a guy and then he pushed me away and said, no, that doesn't help my self-esteem.'" <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, Hellcat and Hellstrom have. Some pretty solid, um, like, you know, devil bait or hell-based date stuff. Um, in the end, Hellstrom's like, hey, before we get serious, I gotta know if you can handle the fact that while you might not be Satan's kid, I definitely am. Like, is that cool with you? And she's like, I don't know. And he freaks out and, like, pushes her down and then flies away. Which, it's not gonna stop him, but this should be a warning sign for you, Patsy. Um... Finally, we go to our last relationship where uh, Dolly, uh, who's Hellcat's, like, maid-slash-neighbor-slash-confidant kind of thing, like, shares a moment with Gargoyle, who's an old man in monster form. <laughs> like, they like, do the, they, they, like, do the thing where they're, like, sitting next to each other, and, like, their hands are kind of close, and then, and then Gargoyle puts his hand on top of hers, and it's like, Whoo! <laughs> and then I don't know Overmind and Doctor Strange hold hands and fly up into the sky and create fireworks for the rest of the team to see the, uh, whoa hey. I, wasn't, I wasn't expecting that I gotta be honest there, there's a lot going on here and uh, that's basically it like everybody gets freaked out but then they're like hey like this was just like a nice time. Everybody's hanging out, pairing off, either as friends or lovers or would-be lovers or something else. Or something else in the case of Gargoyle and, I don't know, whatever. Although their minds do not understand, their hearts do. Hey! <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> this is like, we don't have any money in the budget for fighting, you know? No special effects. This is like one of those Doctor Who episodes where they just get trapped somewhere and they have to talk for the whole hour, you know? Or maybe they get, like, a letter from, like, some parents' group. It's like, these comic books are really violent. Yeah, but, like, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
Overmind's weird, man. He's got a lot of people inside of him. And that's what we're going to deal with, actually, right here in Defenders 117. The, gi the Gift. J.M. DeMatteis, scripter. Don Perlin, penciler. Jack Abel, inker. Shelley Lefferman, letterer. George Russo's colorist. Alan Milgram, editor. Jim Shooter, chief. So... It's time for another uh, funeral for Nighthawk. These guys are getting good at throwing uh, Nighthawk funerals. <laughs> um, and afterward, everyone's kind of heads out to do some stuff. Uh, Gargoyle, Overmind, and Doctor Strange all head out. So it's okay. So here's the deal. <laughs> Overmind's got the personalities and minds of these six psychics inside his brain, right? Right. And they're all people who were powerful psychics that were taken by the government to be part of a shadow government organization to kill every man, woman, and child in the USSR. Okay? Right. Yes. So those six people, though, still have, like, friends and family and stuff. And the personalities inside Overmind's brain still feels bad about, like, their lost loved ones and stuff. So they sort of head out to try to help Overmind get closure for these six people inside his head. Or I guess inside their head, I don't know what pronouns to use, to use with Overmind because there's like men, women, and children in there, you know? I'm going to go with there. There seems okay. pretty apt. That seems, I'll, I'll, I'll roll with it. Meanwhile, um, Valkyrie and Hellcat sort of walk around and, and, and have a heart-to-heart, -heart, which is sort of a big thing. Like, you know, I've sort of talked a, lo a, a lot about Valkyrie and Hellcat's sort of coded relationship and how it seems like, you know, they're kind of more, like they've been more than friends a lot. But you got to take my meaning, although they can't kind of, they definitely can't come right out and say that um, in the course of the comics. But it definitely seems like that's being implied by, by Mateus here, to me at least. I don't know. Maybe I should tweet him and ask what his uh, what his intentions actually were. <laughs> uh, it, it sure seems like that's what they're trying to get at. But the, the to hear Hellcat say basically, since Valkyrie's come back from Asgard and sort of recovered her old body, basically. Uh, she's been really different, and you can tell just because she, this current Valkyrie's way bigger than she used to be. Like, she's way taller than Hellcat, and she's like a big, like, you know, like she's a, like a, a superhero-sized woman. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, she's not, like, previous, the like, Barbara Norris body Valkyrie is like kind of a thin, like, supermodel type or something like that. And our current Valkyrie is more like a fitness model or something. Or like, um, I don't know. I don't want to say like China, but like some other sort of like uh, WWE female wrestler, basically. Maybe Lucy Lawless? Oh, yeah. That's that's actually a better a better one. Yeah, she's 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 w way more of a Xena that, than she used to be. Yeah. And, it's, and it seems like it's and like that. And it's sort of her demeanor's changed a bit as well. And both of those things seem to be freaking Hellcat out a lot. So they're kind of having a heart to heart about it. Meanwhile, uh, Overmind, Gargoyle, and Doctor Strange go to like a kid's Little League or a kid's basketball game where Overmind takes the form of one of the psychics inside his head who's a little kid, like a, a little boy named uh, Philip. And he like runs out to meet his friends playing basketball. I'm like, hey, it's me. I'm like, let's play. And they're like, dude, you're dead. Like, we know you are. This is like, we aren't having the... We're having a, a realistic response to our friend coming back from the dead, and it's that we don't appreciate it, you know? It's like, get out of here, dead kid. Nobody wants you. Well, it's more like, hey, man, like, you're dead, and I don't appreciate it, you know? <laughs> like, I'm just going to go. You're, you're scary. Then they try again with um, the kid uh, climbing into his parents, uh, into the window of his room where his parents are sitting on his bed crying because their kid's dead. 
And he's like, hey, mom and dad, I'm alive. His mom faints immediately, and his dad, like, takes a swing at him. Like, my son's dead. This is the worst joke ever. I could totally make that reverse Batman joke here and just say, my son is dead. <laughs> but, you know, it's traumatizing, man. When your kid's dead, then he comes, like, just, like climbs in through the window. Yeah, it's man. hard to know how to respond to that, but it doesn't seem like it'd be a positive response. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, so that's what that's saying. Yeah, so Doctor Strange brainwashes them in the one, like, 100% um, good and true uh, brainwashing in this uh, podcast so far. Like, I, <laughs> I agree with this brainwashing. This is a, this is a righteous brainwash. <laughs> and, like, the Philip personality kind of, like, cries and hugs Gargoyle and stuff. Gargoyle's a good dude, you know? Like, for yeah. being a sad old man and a monster, he's actually pretty decent, I think. <laughs> yeah, I can't argue with that. Yeah. Meanwhile, in a jalopy, um, what's her name? What's this balloon lady's name? Whatever. Kyle's uh, nurse is being driven by the elf, possibly with a gun. Oh, um, we are, so, wait, wait, wait. We're talking about the elf with a gun now? Yes. Oh, well, God, yes. An elf. This is, this is an elf with a car. Uh, oh. And he drives her into an old barn, which apparently then enters some sort of twisting... Um, you know, alternate reality kind of thing. Whatever. Mysterious stuff going on with this lady and Elf with a, and elf with a car. <laughs> uh, back in New York, Hellcat and Valkyrie are flying around. They, you know, come across a, uh, a, a cop chasing some thieves. And they stop them in sort of standard superhero form. Yeah, as, as you would do. Yeah. As they do, but it seems like uh, Valkyrie, who gets real uh, handsy with them, like she like uh, she jumps in front of them, they shoot them, and like pings all their bullets away with her sword, and then knocks dudes out and stuff. And it's pretty sweet. Um, after the fight, uh, Valkyrie's like, or sorry, Hellcat's like, all right, like that's enough for tonight. I'm gonna head out. And uh, Valkyrie's like, hey, wait, where are you going? And Hellcat's like, get your hands off me! And she swings away. Like there's weird stuff going on with their relationship. Hmm. Valkyrie kind of, kind of give, um, kind of gives chase, and as she does, and eventually she catches up with them. And Hellcat kind of says, like, you know, you're not the same person I knew before, Val. You're different. You're a goddess from mythic lands. He's a total stranger to me. And Valkyrie's, the Valkyrie says, like, you think I'm a stranger? Like you're speaking madness. And she grabs Patsy and puts her on Aragorn. The two of them sort of fly off uh, to, this, to, to a lighthouse, essentially. We cut back to, uh, to Overmind. He's dealing with another one of his personalities, who is an uh, African-American lady from the South Bronx, who sort of reflects on her life with being all sad and like being really hard and stuff in, sort of the, uh, in, in the inner city. And then she turns back into Overmind and freaks out and starts running up to, like, some uh, abandoned tenements and destroying them with her superpowers and stuff. And as she kind of uh, freaks out and starts taking down buildings to the delight of the surrounding crowds... Hey, uh, you know, if I saw, like, a big silver dude with a beard start taking down buildings, that would seem pretty awesome. Especially when they're, um, when they're like, buildings that the city should have torn down years ago anyway. Yeah. Although, honestly... With the volume of superhero of building destroying superhero attacks in New York City, if I was like the mayor, 
I definitely just leave buildings up and wait for them to be destroyed by superheroes anyway. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Maybe yeah, not yeah. in the Bronx, maybe, it, but in Manhattan for sure. Oh, yeah, like, just totally. wait. It's, it'll happen, you know? Yeah. But as the buildings are being destroyed, Doctor Strange stops Overmind and shows him and, and shows them that inside one of the buildings were a couple kids that were like playing inside the derelict building. And, oh, they're, no. only, and they're only alive because Doctor Strange uh, force fielded them in the last minute. And this is sort of like a big lesson for Overmind to um, for Overmind to sort of understand that like maybe using their powers to right the wrongs in their past life might not be good. Instead, sort of in their new life as a superhero, they can do new things and better things. I guess, which seems decent. Yeah, no, that seems like a good lesson to learn. <laughs> Meanwhile, at the lighthouse, uh, Hellcat and uh, Valkyrie are sort of having a heart to heart. Valkyrie is explaining how. So this is the place where they fought the Omegatron a couple times, which is this big robot that the scientist Supreme Yandroth created right at the start of um, the Defenders. Like, Valkyrie fighting the Omegatron was the first thing Valkyrie did as a superhero in, like, Defenders number five back in, like, 1968. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or 1973, I guess, but whatever. Still, like, over ten years ago, for sure. And so... This is Valkyrie sort of explaining how this was where, before she regained her Asgardian heritage, when she was just, like, a, fe- a, a lady with superpowers and not much knowledge or history of herself or anything. Like, this is where she learned who she could be, sort of how to be, a, what kind of hero she, she wanted to be, what kind of person she wanted to be. And she's sort of brought, um, and chief among that is the friendships and the people that she's met along the way as a super as a superhero here on Earth, and regaining her Asgardian heritage um, has not changed that. And she's not like a new person that Patsy has to relearn. She's still the same pal she's always been. And you know, there's and their friendship still means the most to her. And they uh, embrace in front of this lighthouse, and it's like super coded. I don't know. <laughs> Like, it looks like they're making out. I don't know. It really does look like they're making out. Um, it's like a whole, like, thing, I guess. But whatever. It's good for them, I say. Meanwhile, back at the Sacrum Sanctorum, uh, Overmind is lifting magic bookcases and sort of coming to bear with what being a superhero means for them. How they can see that they cannot face the, the future alone and they're going to be, you know, it's time for them to be a member of the Defenders and fight the good fight along with them to create a better future for the Earth, which I think is pretty sweet. That's and, pretty good. Yeah, it kind of ends with a big group hug as everybody hugs this giant overmind. Like, everybody only comes up to, like, his chest or so. And that's it for that one. It's good times. Yeah. All right, so we're going to skip Defenders 118. Doctor Strange isn't in it. Um, basically, though, Damon Hellstrom, the son of Satan, comes back. You know, he's been sort of dead and in hell for, like, a couple months. He comes back to resume his secret identity as a uh, divinity t- uh, uh, teach uh, professor and finds that another Damon Hellstrom has taken his place and he's got to sort of fight it and reassert, his, and reassert himself in his secret identity and stuff like that. Gotcha. He wins. It's good times. All right. Meanwhile, let's us go to Defenders 119 from May 1983. Ashes, ashes, we all fall down. That doesn't sound foreboding at all. <laughs> Stephen Grant, scripter. Sal Buscema, penciler. Jack Abel, inker. Diverse hands, letters. 
George Russo's colorist, Al Milgram editor, Jim Shooter editor-in-chief, J.M. DeMatteis, invaluable assist. Okay, so here's the deal, Drew, if that is your real name. It uh, is. <laughs> way back when, way back in September of 1980, there's an episode of The Defenders that I don't think we covered in the podcast, but I told everybody about. <laughs> and it was uh, in, Defenders 9, in Defenders number 87. And in that one, it's the last appearance of uh, Jack Norris, the uh, worst guy ever. Ugh, that guy. As he and a bunch of bad guys, including some evil mutants, um, testified to a mysterious tribunal about some information about the Defenders, basically. Um, at that point, it was another, it was just sort of a weird early, like, okay, we're just going to kind of have some mysterious stuff happen, and whoever wants to deal with it in the future can totally deal with it. <laughs> All right. It's three years later, we're dealing with it, is basically what's going on here. So we start with Luann Bloom, Kyle Richmond's nurse, and uh, a gunless but still very recognizable elf standing before another mysterious tribunal. As she wonders what's going on, they order her to report. She's like, report what? I don't work for you guys. And they're like, actually, you do. And Elf, not with a gun, rips her face off, and she's a robot. Yeah. Yep. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Sure. Okay. So, robot starts uh, displaying stuff with its robot eyes, like a movie projector. We just get kind of a basic rundown of the last... Ah... I want to say 30 Defenders episodes or so. Like, there's the fight with the angels in the Holy Land. There's there's Hellish Hellcat. There's the goddamn Mandrill. There's that time that the Writing Academy based the Defenders got burned down and Nighthawk disbanded the, the Defenders on live TV. That was a good time. Yeah. Um, but we for the most of this episode, is sort of a flashback story where the Defenders once again fought the scientist supreme and creator of the Omegatron we talked about um, in our previous issue, Yandroth, in a story that takes place apparently, like, I think they say it takes place in between Defenders, like, 67 and 68 or something like that, which is in, like, the 80s. But basically, Yandroth, while previously a bald guy, is now a lady with curly brown hair, Yep. She sh- she shows up at the Defenders Riding Academy and uses her wrist blasters to take control of people. Like she can blast you in the she blasts you in the face with a wrist blaster, and then she controls you for a little while um, until it wears off. Basically, I'm like, this story happened a long time ago. It doesn't super duper matter, is what I want to say. <laughs> Just because we know who wins, I guess. But in the actual story of the comic, it's pretty fun. Just because there's some good like good guys fighting each other, which is always nice. Like, you know, when whenever Namor punches Hulk in the face, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. You know what I mean? <laughs> Just because, like, that's kind of fun. Like, Doctor Strange and Clay, I mix it up magically a little bit. Like, stuff like that. Uh, in the end, though, you know, uh, Doctor Strange exercises the Androth out of the lady's head. And uh, Victory Defenders. The Mysterious Council is like, that was supposed to help us? That's what, all, that's what the Defenders always do. Like... <laughs> Yeah, they always this is win, a, man. This yeah. is a new information. They're just a super team doing superhero stuff. And it turns out they're going to send Luann Bloom back out. Uh, time grows short. And the fact is, the Defenders must be destroyed, or time itself 
will die. That seems pretty dramatic. Yeah. Next time on The Defenders, the beginning of the end. Oh, man. That'll be really great to get to next week. Exactly. Because now, now, Drew, it's time to put aside this Defenders stuff and time to talk about the Marvel Superhero Contest of Champions. Conrad. Yeah. What is the... What is the Marvel Superhero Contest of Champions? Well, I'll tell you what it's not, and it's not a mobile video game app that's like Injustice, um, that's like Injustice, but with Marvel guys instead of DC guys. That's good, because when you're telling me about this earlier, I'm like, wait, isn't that like an app that came out like earlier this year? I mean, I feel like it's been out for maybe a year or two, but yes, that, that, that is called Contest of Champions. This is different. Uh, okay, sure. So basically... um. Do you remember those that treasury that uh, Howard the Duck Treasury Edition I have? It's like this big old comic book. Yeah. So the so so m- while mostly those were thought were thought were like reprints of old comics, they did do some new ones. One in early 1980 was the Marvel Treasury Edition where uh, Spider Man and Hulk at the win- at the Winter Olympics, which was set in Lake Placid, New York, and sort of had was the Hulk and um, Spider Man sort of fooling around. At Olympic events and blah blah blah. Okay. Or and then it kind of escalates to them being in part of an all-out war between two different subterranean races. It's crazy. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so at the end of that comic, they had an ad for another, um, uh, basically an, another one of these outings that would be at the Summer Olympics that later that year. This is back when they had the summer and winter, the the winter and summer Olympics in the same year. You know. So, right. Right. But but and I don't know if you know this, but these but the U.S. boycotted the 1980 Summer Olympics because they were going to be held in like Moscow or in the USSR, and we were protesting their aggression against Afghanistan. Right. Yes. So the 1980 yeah 1980 Summer Olympics canceled, um, and thus also basically Marvel decided not to do a superhero Summer Olympics thing because if America wasn't going to be in it. Then like. It would be pretty. It would be in poor taste to then have an Olympics thing when the uh, when, when the US was boycotting. The thing is, though, work had begun on the comic at that point before they canceled it. Oh, and forty pages were submitted to the um, to the inker of this comic. What's oh. his name? Uh, uh, Pablo Marcos. So, like, a, like a, a couple months later, sort of. Marco shows up and is like, hey, like, I got these inked pages. Like, what do you guys want to do with them? And they're like, oh, dang, we got to do something with them. Um, and so Contest of Heroes came to be. Um, there's, you know, so it's supposed to come out in 1980. It's coming out in 1982. So there's some changes sort of that, 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 that had to be made. I think one big one early on is we see Beast um, jumping around the Avengers um, training facility. And as we all know, Beast is a defender now. He's not an Avenger, so they have to sort of explain it away by saying, like, hey, like, you know, watch your mouth. Former defenders, or sorry, former Avengers only have limited, are only have limited use of Avengers gym facilities and stuff, you know? <laughs> like to sort of explain it away, I guess. Uh-huh. Also, the other big one is that um, one is that Carol Danvers was supposed to be sort of one of the main characters in this. But at this point, she's been depowered by Rogue, and so they basically just replace her. They basically did just cut and paste She-Hulk over her, and explain that She-Hulk's always flying by saying she's just jumping around. 
<laughs> um, the other big thing to know about this one is that they, because it's supposed to be kind of an Olympic thing, they added in a bunch of foreign, or not foreign, non-American superheroes, basically. Right. Just to kind of be like, hey, like, you know, it's not just American, it's all kinds of guys. And then, you know, they just sort of change it generally from being Olympic-themed, just kind of general contest-themed, essentially. So it's sort of, I don't know, I wanted to include this because it's sort of an interesting, this is the first time Marvel did a limited edition imprint of just sort of an event, you know? Right. In the same way that, say, later they would have Secret Wars, like a comic that's just, like, going to be ten issues and that's it. Right. Secret Wars, or, Battle or, World. Or, blah, like, blah, yes, blah. like the actual, an actual Civil War comic or something like that, you know? Right. Like, this isn't supposed to be an ongoing series, it's so a limited event, you know? Yeah. So that's what we got here. So, I mean, Doctor Strange isn't really, isn't really isn't in it that much. I think it's kind of fun, though. So we're gonna just going to go through these issues pretty fast, all right? Okay. All right. Marvel Superheroes Contest of Champions 1 from June 1982. Uh, story, Mark Grinwald, Bill Mantlo, Stephen Grant. Uh, script, Bill Mantlo, pencils, John Romita Jr., inks, Pablo Marcos. Lettering, Joe Rosen. Coloring, Andy Vanchus and Patricia DeFalco, additional art Bob Layton, editors Mark Grinwald and Tom DeFalco, editor in chief Jim Shooter. So, like, um, for me, um, this this first issue has a ton of crowd shots, and I'm kind of playing Where's Waldo with um, various Defenders members and stuff. Like Doctor Strange gets gets on the cover, which I of the first issue, which I appreciate, and then there's a bunch of other sort of Defenders members sort of mixed in and stuff. You know, there's Namor and the Hulk and stuff like that. Um, and then on the second page, on the first page, there's a big splash picture of all like the different faces of various Marvel superheroes and stuff. Doctor Strange is in it right in the middle, but his face is half obscured by this um, by what's your name? Yeah, by Sabra, the um, Israeli superhero. She's got like a huge black poofy haircut that just totally covers his, um, half his face. So we open up on the Avengers gym where, you know, it's just sort of superhero workout time, essentially. Um, the beast's there too. Um, and eventually everybody gets covered in red light and teleports away. At the same time in Russia, the Russian Avengers equivalent, um, like the, uh, who the, the, uh, super, the, uh, Soviet super soldiers, Attack the yep. Red Ghost, who's doing more sort of superheroing stuff. It's like, he's, you know, he's got just the regular others, Russian superheroes, Dark Star, Crimson Dynamo, Vanguard, and Ursa Major. I just <laughs> want to point out that Ursa Major is, in fact, just a bear. Just a bear. Yep. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, Vanguard is, seems like a Thor guy, because he throws a hammer, but it's actually because he uses a hammer and a sickle. <laughs> Uh, the and but then they're also covered in red light and disappear. Uh, Fantastic Four about to give a speech at a uh, snooty dinner, and then they they disappear. Same thing with Alpha Flight from the cockpit of their jump jet. The X Men from inside the danger room. Uh, Iron Fist and Luke Cage as they burst in on some bad guys. Uh, Spider Man as he climbs up a wall. Uh, Hellcat and Valkyrie as they watch. Uh, Dazzler sing at a club. I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, Moon Knight and uh, Daredevil climbing up a helicopter. Kazar and whatever 
hit whoever the lady who uh, Shana, the, the lady Kazar, um, does prehistoric stuff with in the Savage Land. Delker Strange and Devil Slayer meditating, and just just everybody, everybody, all those Mar- all the Marvel superheroes. You know what I'm saying? Yep. They all tell they all get covered in a red cloud and teleport away. Yep. And like Hulk and Doc Samson are about to punch each other's faces in, and they both get zapped yeah. away too. Plus a bunch of international superheroes you've never heard of, like the Peregrine from France, Talisman from Aboriginal Australia. Uh, Defensor from Argentina, uh, Shamrock from Ireland, Sabra from Israel, uh, the Collective Man from China, <laughs> uh, the Arabian Knight from Saudi Arabia, and Blitzkrieg from West Germany. Arabian Knight with a K, by the way. And they all they all um, teleport into this huge room that's full of every single Marvel superhero. Period. And also the Inhumans, just throwing that out there. Oh yeah, sorry, Inhumans go too. Yeah, everybody, everybody does it. Everybody, no, no superhero, no good guy is left behind. Uh, yeah, big mass in the front. Uh, Valkyrie and Namor right up front. I appreciate that. More defenders and, doing stuff. And hey, look, there's Doctor Strange, kind of off to the left. Yep. Yep. <laughs> totally. Yep. So this is sort of a fun thing where sort of characters with kind of linked abilities sort of show up and talk to each other. You know. Um, like Beast and Sasquatch talk to each other. Uh, Crimson uh, Iron Man walks over and talks smack with, with uh, Crimson Dynamo. <laughs> um, <laughs> Captain Britain and Shamrock sort of share um, Britain versus Ireland sort of uh, you know narrow eyes at each other. Um, Vision talks to Aaron Stack, the Machine Man, who mo- who I know from Next Wave for sure. Um, and then like um, you know. Russian superheroes yell at Colossus for not coming back to Russia. Spider-Man and Spider-Woman sort of talk to each other. Dr. Druid and Hellstrom. Um, Black Knight and Arabian Knight compare swords. (laughs) (laughs) And there's a little... um, Oh, yeah. uh, uh, Moon Dragon and Professor X have a quick meeting of bald people. And then Professor X wheels over and has a proto-Illuminati meeting as Doctor Strange, Reed Richards, Professor X, and Iron Man all sort of discuss what's going on. Oh, I see what's happening here. Yeah, they planted the seeds. (laughs) When suddenly, two mysterious figures appear before them, the whole mass of all these superheroes. There's the Grand Master, who is a game-based superhero. We've actually met him once or twice on the Defenders, um, where he's sort of forced superheroes to fight to the death and for various reasons whatever involved uh daredevil on the defenders team and it had it was one of those comics that was weird because it had a big text section in the middle of the comic like where it's like it's just typewritten pages of daredevil like sensing the different members of the defenders you know like ah from what he could sense she would be a young woman but of incredible strength she must be the valkyrie you know what i mean so it's Grandmaster versus sort of a faceless, hooded figure who prefers to remain anonymous. They've challenged each other to a superhero fight, um, and if the Grandmaster wins, then his uh, brother, the Collector, will be brought back to life, and if he loses, then the Grandmaster himself will die. Okay. So, good times. Yeah. Now the schoolyard team-picking uh, process begins. Just, you know, slightly more serious. Yeah. I mean, man, I don't know what the... 
I don't know. I forget what the precise threat is, or it's not clear what the precise threat is to why the superheroes are doing this, but they're definitely doing it. You know, <laughs> like right. like it's, like they're going along with it. But yeah, th- this is totally like the the schoolyards. Like, all right, uh, I pick uh, Cap. That is in fact the first choice. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, fine. I'll take uh, Hammer and Sickle. Yeah, that's that's his choice, and that's a weird choice. Yeah, that's a, <laughs> that's a bit of a strange one. Yeah, so the teams end up with... So I'm just going to say the characters who most people have heard of, all right? Yeah, go for it. So, Collector has... So they each have 12 guys. Collector has, among others, uh, Captain America, Wolverine, Captain Britain, Sasquatch, She-Hulk, Daredevil, and The Thing. Meanwhile, the nameless, faceless guy has Iron Man, Iron Fist, so a good, good Iron theme, Yep. Uh, Storm from the X-Men, Angel from the X-Men, The Invisible Woman, Sunfire, and Black Panther. And then they each have basically all of the... all. Remember those eight uh, international superheroes we talked about earlier in the podcast, Drew? Yep, they're totally in there. Every single one of them is on one of these teams or another. <laughs> it's almost like they're going for worldwide representation in this in this contest mm, how strange yeah, but not Dr. Strange those bad, those jerks yeah, they what made, about jerks? you made the wrong choice <laughs> <laughs> but essentially the contest there's this there's this golden globe uh, not the actual award it's split into four chunks the chunks are scattered across the globe the different superhero teams Three at a time will go to different parts of the globe and compete to get the pieces of the globe. Got it? Got it. <laughs> All right. Let's go to the Marvel Superhero Contest of Champions number two. Although it should be also noted that every other uh, hero was uh, put into suspended animation. As is the rest of the world, in fact, I, I believe. Oh, great. Okay. So they can't like help un- help or hurt each other, you know? All right, so episode two, same creative team as the last time. Let's keep going. Yeah. Um, we start out yeah, with Frenzy in the Frozen North. It's uh, the it's the Grandmasters team of Talisman, Daredevil, and Darkstar versus the Unknowns team of Sunfire, the Invisible Girl, and Iron Fist. So I don't know. So like, um. Talisman has, like, sort of reality-altering powers. He can kind of go intangible and change things around. He's got a magic bowl roar because he's a uh, aborigine guy. Mm-hmm. And Darkstar is another person I'm not familiar with that much. You can sort of do Green Lantern-type stuff, but it's sort of black, star-looking Green Lantern-type stuff, if that makes sense. Like, she can project energy fields that are shaped like things, essentially. So, and they've all been teleported to the Arctic. So it's snow-fighting time. Um, everybody pairs off, basically, with Darkstar sort of trying to mat- mystically grab Sunfire as he blasts atomic bolts at her. Um, Invisible Woman trying to get through the snow to take out um, Talisman. And then Daredevil and Iron Fist having snow-blind super fights. Kung Fu, you know, Kung Fu versus blind fighting, essentially. <laughs> a lot of random fighting, a lot of reality altering by Talisman. But in the end... Daredevil's able to swim out into the Arctic ice flow and grab the first of these gold globe pieces. And we go to contest two, the Ghost Town Showdown, which is in a, uh, yeah, in a ghost town. You know what I'm saying? Uh, okay. 
Yeah, the Unknowns team is Iron Man, Arabian Knight, and Sabra. The Grandmasters team is Defensor, She-Hulk, and Captain Britain. So there's uh, there's friction on the team immediately because Arabian Knight and Sabra, one one from Saudi Arabia, one from Israel, uh, one being a woman from Israel, is they don't get along very well. And they immediately kind of split up and stuff. Oh, I see what they did there. Okay, okay. <laughs> Everybody splits up. Uh, we got some points where it's, you can really see how She-Hulk used to be uh, Miss Marvel because she's just sort of flying through the air and it doesn't look very jumpy at all. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, sorry. There's also uh, the Great Masters team has Defensor, who's like a Spanish guy who uh, has a shield, and that's all you need to know. Oh, a shield and like a Conquistador helmet. It's pretty, it's pretty fun. Okay. But so, you know, Sabra and She-Hulk fight each other because ladies gotta fight ladies. Um, Iron Man fights Defensor because the shield can block his energy blasts and stuff. And then Captain Britain with his mace fights um, Arabian Knight and Arabian Knight's uh, sword. And, you know, it's pretty good fighting. Eventually Iron Man managed... Eventually things change around. Iron Man fights She-Hulk and takes it down. And as they're fighting, Arabian Knight grabs the last... or grabs the uh, second of the Golden Globe pieces. So now it's tied up with Unknown and Grandmaster each having one piece of the Golden Eye. Or Golden Globe? Yeah, one of those two. <laughs> eh, are. And we smash down to Con- Marvel Superhero Contest of Champions number three. It's endgame time. First up, Siege in the City of the Dead. The Unknown's team is Vanguard, Angel, and Black Panther versus... The Grandmaster's team of Wolverine, The Thing, and La Peregrine, who's a uh, <laughs> bird superhero from France. Uh, <laughs> Wolverine basically, uh, they're in like the they're in like a plane, like in you know, a mountain plains. As Peregrine sort of um, explains his superhero thing, Wolverine lights up, like pulls a, out a pack of smokes and just blows smoke in his face, basically. Also, there's some really weird stuff, or. Black Panther's colored really weird in this. Like, yeah. he's in his no- normal Black Panther costume, but the uh, color behind his eyes is, like, pink skin instead of the black skin, like you'd imagine. It's, from some, yeah, it's a bit strange. From Wakanda. Like, it's pretty well, bad, okay. honestly. And on, on one page, it's that way, and then on the next page, it's slightly different. Yeah, basically, but, like, mostly it's pink skin. It's not good. It's a bad yeah, it's, character. It's not great. Bad characterization of... Um, of Black Panther, yeah. Of Black Panther, but this team is woefully outmatched, or the uh, the team of Black Panther, Angel, and Vanguard. They're no match for the Thing and Wolverine, and like La Peregrine doesn't even factor in, you know. Yep. In the end, the Thing grabs his piece of the circle, and we're good to go. So, last match, the Grandmasters up by one, and we go with uh, the Unknowns team of Storm, Shamrock, and the Collective Man. And the Grandmasters team of Sasquatch, Captain America, and Blitzkrieg. The Collective Man is basically a multiple man, but with sort of a communist bent. <laughs> Everybody fights around. They do random stuff. Yep. The big thing, though, is that Indian Shamrock gets the globe and is incorrectly identified as being on the Grandmasters team. It's a huge mess up. Uh-huh. Um, People are going to spend years writing into Marvel saying that they messed up this um, char- this, this characterization. Uh-huh. And they're, they're, they'll promise a Contest of Champions 2 exp- uh, to sort of sort things out. That'll never happen. 
Which never happens. Um, it's just a mess up. Just a botch. Botch thing. But Grandmaster wins 3-1, to one, apparently, I guess. I don't know. Um, people have a lot of problems with him sort of bringing people back from the dead. And the unknown game participant reveals himself actually to be death, which is pretty cool. In the end, he uses the, he uses the power of the globe and the life of the Grandmaster to bring the Collector back to life. So it's like one of those devil's bargains kind of things. Yeah. And the Grandmaster's like, oh, like you killed my brother to bring me back. I wouldn't want that. Like, I don't want my brother to die so I can live. Like, let me die instead. And Death's like, how about you just die and I don't bring your brother back? Good times. Let's get out of here. <laughs> and they fly off, and that's basically the story. <laughs> we, uh, everything explodes, and suddenly it turns out it was just a, uh, just a dream by the beast. Okay. Or no, well, maybe just an hour has passed. Something like that. <laughs> but hey, okay. good times. Contest of Champions. Oh, yeah. Right. I think, like, so the story's kind of dumb. It's just kind of a regular scavenger hunt, but it's, it is really neat. Like, especially the first issue, where just these huge masses of, like, all the superheroes in Marvel Comics sort of hanging out, talking to each other and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, that's the, like, the first ten pages is the high point, where it's just... Oh, yeah, because you get to see all these superheroes just kind of yeah. gathered in one just, place. Yeah, it's just all the superheroes being kidnapped, and then all of them hanging out in one spot and stuff, which is a pretty unusual occurrence. Yeah. All right, but that's the comics, Drew. Yep. What'd you think of this week's outing? Uh, the, those Defenders issues are were good. Yeah, there was some interesting, like, it was weirdly emotional set of, of, of Defenders issues this week. I mean, I get what they're doing. They're trying to wrap up this uh, volume of the Defenders so that way they can do... Yeah, I mean, go ahead. Uh, so that way they can get started on a, a new volume. Yeah, I mean, I'll sort of spoil everybody and let you know that uh, next episode, actually, we'll get to the to Defenders number 125, which is all new Defenders, when Doctor Strange leaves the team forever, essentially. So a lot of these episodes, so a lot of these issues, especially with that fact in mind, seem like they're sort of settling characters that are going to be leaving the team. You know, it's going to be an almost entirely new team in maybe six issues of these comics. And so... For a lot of these characters who don't have their own comics, like Valkyrie or Nighthawk, those guys don't have their own comics. I don't know if Hellstrom does. Um, you know, we got to settle their stuff so that there's not a bunch of plot of like dangling plot threads when we re- when we finish these stories and start the new stories with the Defenders as being basically the old folks' home for the X Men, where it's all the original X Men sort of hanging out. You know. <laughs> um, yeah, but I think otherwise these are pretty funny. It's interesting to kind of see. These more emotional stories... I mean, I'm sort of saying emotional just because there's a, a, a bunch where there's no fighting or minimal fighting. So there's not fighting, then it's people having emotions, I guess. Like, it's an interesting change of pace. I, I think they're fun comics. Anyhow, if you'd like to contact the podcast, I'd love to hear from you. You can send me an email at strangerbythedozen at gmail.com or interact with the show on Facebook and Instagram at strangerbythedozen. You can find us on Twitter at strangerbythe12 and on Tumblr at strangerbythedozen.tumblr.com. During the week, I'll try to put a bunch of images and quotes from these issues, so keep an eye out. Stranger by the Dozen's on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, and any podcatching app. And remember, if you leave a five-star review on any platform, I will read it on the show. Drew can be found on Twitter at Neo of the Dark. Uh, please find him there and tell him what your favorite Marvel, uh, contest of champions teams would be. Tell me what your favorite contest of champions teams by writing on the back of a package of cough drops. 
Nice. Always also good. <laughs> Tune in next week as Doctor Strange does a super team-up with The Thing, Spider-Man, the Scarlet Witch, and Quasar. Then, with Clay out of the picture, Doc will have to begin his search for a new disciple, whether he likes it or not. And will begin the hunt for the Darkhold and fight vampires with Thor. Then... We'll go through the final days of the Defenders as a new team forms and finally find out the truth behind the elf with a gun. Until then, faithful listeners, I say, tonight, however perfunctorily, we have seen our pasts laid to rest. We have let go of yesterday's hand, but what of tomorrow? We have so much to learn, so much of our humanity. Both the grand and the base still echoes within us. Our past selves remain inside us and we cannot forget them or the lessons of life they learned. We only pray that we can use the memories of who and what we were to impel us forward toward what we can be. My name is Conrad and for my co-host Drew, this is Stranger by the Dozen. May the Vishanti guide your path.